Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. With more than 35 years combined industry experience, Alex Husner and Annie Holcomb have teamed up to connect the dots between inspiration and opportunity, seeking to find the one story, idea, strategy, or decision that led to their guests' big aha moment. Join them as they highlight the real stories behind the people and brands that have built vacation rentals into the $100 billion industry it is today. And now, it's time to get real and have some fun with your hosts, Alex and Annie. Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. I'm Alex. And I'm Annie. And we are here today with Arthur Kolker, who is the CEO and founder of StayFi, and I guess we have been excited to have on the show for a while now, finally got him on here, but Arthur, welcome to the show. Awesome. Been looking forward to this for a while, so so great we could make it happen. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We so, apologize about the delay in trying to get you on, but we have been wanting to have you on for several, several months. So appreciate you, you guys are in demand. As, so I guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah. demand and crazy calendars. But um, for anybody that doesn't know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and StayFi and kind of how you came to develop it? Yeah. So I kind of fell into the short term rental and vacation rental space accidentally. Um, <laughs> I was doing kind of running a small marketing consulting business. And one of my friends just happened to operate a 150 home vacation rental company called Heirloom uh, out of Boston, where they operated in a few markets. Um, and he came to me to develop an independent brand because like a lot of short-term rental operators, they're pretty dependent on OTAs like Airbnb and VRBO. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to develop his own loyal following of guests that would book them again and again. Um, so that's why they approached me. Um, and when I came in to start developing their strategy, the biggest area where I saw they could you know, create a lot of value is if they actually controlled and owned their guest data. Um, and unfortunately, up to that point, they had collected almost no guest data. They didn't know who were staying with them. They didn't know how to uh, drive repeat bookings. And so I thought of all different ways to collect that data. And the number one way that came to me was why don't we just install what people use in hotels, coffee shops, airports, where when every guest logs into the Wi-Fi, we capture their information. Um, because it's a like seamless part of the hospitality experience that people are already used to doing. You're not making people go to a special forum, download an app, go to a special landing page. It's just part of the normal flow of staying in a vacation rental. So initially, I just wanted to go purchase a solution for them. So I talked to the companies that do these captive Wi-Fi portals for hotels, coffee shops, airports, and those products just didn't work in short-term rentals for a lot of different reasons. So I thought, you know, I think I could develop a very simple product that does this. And that's kind of where the whole idea for SafeFi started. And then, of course, I discovered the entire world of short-term rental managers um, and the fact that there are thousands of tens of thousands of them that also want to develop independent brands and uh, drive more direct booking. So that's kind of where StayFight started and then just grew from there. That's really interesting. So yeah, I didn't realize that you had a, a marketing background prior to getting into this, but that makes sense, of course, because a lot of what you talk about is how this technology actually really helps managers build their own book direct brand, which when I first heard about StayFi, I, I didn't know that that was the route um, <laughs> or uh, of, of what the main offering was, but uh, it certainly makes sense. And definitely something that is an issue for all of us, especially if you have large accommodations that can sleep, you know, 10, 12, 20 people, and you're only getting one email address. 
that's that's a problem. That if that same guest doesn't rebook next year, you've lost all those people. So it's it's great what you've built. Yeah, I'd say you know I just view the technology as a means to an end. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, big focus of our product is building the end-to-end marketing solution. So you know, we started with data capture. So obviously, capturing the data is just the beginning, and then it's how do you monetize that information. And so we subsequently built tools like email marketing, text marketing, all within our platform so that you can take the data you're capturing and make the most of it to do both upsells and remarketing for booking because those are both areas that we see a lot of managers and operators focus on because they want to drive that incremental both during the stay and then obviously capture repeat bookings as opposed to those guests going back through OTAs. So when you started this, I remember, well, I say, I don't remember when I started, but I I talked to you uh, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, I think when you were first starting out and um, seemed like, gosh, like no brainer, like why hasn't somebody done this before? But I know one thing that Alex and I talk about with a lot of other technology partners is the vacation rental industry had been prior to COVID pretty slow to adopt technology, but then through COVID people had the time to sort of breathe and understand and, and really dig in. And it probably a good, a good time for you to be able to connect with these, um, you know, with all of the operators that are out there. Cause like you said, there's just, there's so many of them in the space. When you first started talking to people about it, did they understand what it was that it was going to do for them? Or was it just a lot of proof of concept that you really had to go out there and show them multiple times how they could harness these, you know, email addresses and then again, build up their marketing database. Yeah. I'd say that it was totally a mixture. I'd say that uh, it was really interesting talking to people, especially starting out, you know, we would approach them with the concept and they say, well, I already have all the data. And I said, Oh, you have collect data from all 10 guests that you have. And you're like, Oh wait, there's other people in the rental property. Like it didn't even <laughs> occur to people that the data outside of the booker might be valuable or that they might even be missing the booker's data. Right. Um, and then you reach, you know, if you've been working with a management company and they already have been running successful email marketing, I'd say more that traditional players that existed before internet booking even existed, who had a huge direct booking business you know, back in the nineties, even before then mm-hmm. for those folks, uh, the value was more obvious because yeah. if you already have a successful yeah. email marketing program, it's easy to know, well, if I'm just adding 10 times more emails to this program, yeah. it's going to develop, you know, push a ton of ROI. So there's, you know, very many different flavors of managers, newer people in the space, maybe started with the idea of they're operating an Airbnb business yeah. and then having them slowly shift their mindset to being, we're actually like, should be not only distributing on every channel, but we should develop our own brand. You're approaching that user or that operator from a different angle of selling them a direct booking. So uh, I'd say with COVID, a lot of people realized why being dependent on OTAs have a lot of, has a lot of risk. And I think that also helped us kind of open people's mind to the concept, but definitely we're, we're meeting operators all the way from their 99% book direct already. And they just want to amplify it or they're at 0%. So we find people all along the spectrum that uh, want to work with StayFi and start building up that, independent brand. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting when we were at VRMA, you were on a panel about how to build a brand that differentiates you from your competition. And, you know, being in the Myrtle Beach market for 14 years here, you know, email marketing and direct marketing has always been a big part of my life and just our competitors here too. It's, that's just something we've always done. But a lot of us that are in the position like, like I am as a CMO or a director of marketing 
came from a marketing background like you did too, right? So mm-hmm. that most of these people that are have started these Airbnb businesses, they might not have any sort of a marketing background at all. Yeah. I mean, they, they bought a property or they bought a business and now they're trying to learn not only the, the operations of short-term rentals, but now all this other stuff that Book Direct is, is very new to them. And, you know, sometimes it, it takes me like I have to just, consciously remember that because it's it here i feel like we're all kind of the same but that that crowd at your panel i think you asked how many uh were even doing any sort of email marketing and very few raised their hands and <laughs> it was not a lot yeah. wow um, yeah so that's 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 surprising and it, it is such a, a huge huge way to grow your brand and your business but what would you for somebody new starting out in the industry what would be uh your advice to them to start a email marketing program Besides you say, try to get email addresses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, that'd right. be number one. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even like when people come to us and they don't even have a website or they don't use a PMS yet. And I've met manager companies with 50 homes. They don't have a PMS. I mean, it's just yeah. kind of, you know, when you meet people yeah. that don't do, don't attend conferences, aren't in this like LinkedIn world, uh, you know, you might meet people that aren't even aware of these tools and how they exist. Right. So I'm always like, start with the website and, mm-hmm develop a brand and identity first and then build on top of that um and so i always tell people you know figure out what your brand is think about what makes you unique what makes you local special i think matt matt lando has a lot of great advice around you know if you're running a local business that differentiates you from national mm-hmm. players already right family run or whatever that angle is right it's yeah. very appealing to guests and, pro- and homeowners um, and then from there, I say automate first. So it's very easy with our tool or other email marketing tools to set up very simple automations. Whenever you collect emails from whatever source, uh, you send people a series of standard emails over a course of several months. We call that a drip campaign or an email marketing automation. And then you kind of layer in content uh, that's you know one-off. So once you feel comfortable with your brand collection strategy, then you say, I'll set an automation. And then maybe you want to start doing a monthly newsletter about what's happening, discounts, events in your area. So there's kind of a natural progress we see as people go from being new to more sophisticated with their email marketing and branding. We'll be back in a minute after a word from our premier brand sponsor, Wheelhouse, the ultimate revenue driving machine. Yeah, I use Wheelhouse and I love, love, love Wheelhouse. I feel like it's like a it's like a Mac version of pricing, right? It's, you can just kind of dive in and start pushing a bunch of stuff. You're not going to break anything, but you can kind of just learn it. And then they have so many great tutorials. And luckily for me, their customer service has been amazing also, which is really important to me. So if I have a question, I can actually get somebody to respond. That's John Hildebrand, owner of Hildy Homes. John opened his business in 2019 and manages a small portfolio of luxury homes in Scottsdale, Arizona, where he prides himself on being able to create a truly five-star guest experience. We asked John what it was like trying to figure out a pricing strategy as a newcomer to the industry. Well, when I first started, I didn't even know any of that stuff exists. I just was doing it all manually. And I'm like, this is so much work to try to figure out pricing all the time. So I did try price labs for a little bit. But for me, it was too PC. It was very complicated. Somebody showed me Wheelhouse and I just kind of dove in and I was like, oh, this is a lot easier. So then I've been using Wheelhouse ever since. There are lots of tools on the market that can help you with pricing and revenue management. So we wanted to know, what impact has Wheelhouse had on John's bottom line? We'll find out later in the show. It's all part of Wheelhouse's Spotlight on Exceptional Property Managers. 
And so are you guys, so if I'm a new manager, I've got 10 units, I want to build up my database. I come to you, obviously we set up the Wi-Fi capture in, in our rooms, our units, but are you helping them on the back end? Like, you know, after they capture this data, are you helping them put together and formulate that marketing plan so they have an ongoing sort of structure and strategy or is it they just, or I mean, I guess, could they do it on their own if they wanted to, but do you have a, like a program that you work with them on to set them up for success down the road? Yeah. So we support both ways. Uh, you can be totally self-service where you can use our email marketing tool, which is built on campaign monitor, which is if you may be familiar with blue tent, that's what they use as well. So it's like a very commonly white labeled email marketing solution, which we use, which has all the features that you'd want in an email marketing tool. Some people are familiar with MailChimp and we just, have integrations with all those tools, MailChimp, Active Campaign, Constant Contact. So all the data can be sent to whatever tool you want to use. Um, but if you're looking for more assistance, we have a partnership with an agency called Switchback Email, which mm -hmm. is an email marketing agency for vacation rentals. And within the Stayify tool, you can purchase one-time service from them or ongoing email marketing services. So you can set up a call with them where they'll do an hour training. Uh, build you some templates set you on your way to start doing it yourself, or they can manage your email marketing on an ongoing basis. So we try to offer uh, whatever our customers are looking for, all the way from self-service to, you know, outsourcing it completely to an agency. We have all those options within Stayfy. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. And that's, that's nice that you have options for the customers there. Cause I think a lot of the technology products that they might be trying to do something that is supportive of building a book direct strategy, but they fall short on now what's the next part. And Annie and I talk about this often that I feel like there's been a lot that's changed in the vendor world in the last year or two. I mean, really last year that it seems like a lot of the vendors are working together better than ever and realizing that it makes sense to form those, you know, mutually beneficial partnerships so that you can have a more robust offering that's going to serve the needs of property managers. So that's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So within Stayfire, not just do we have that partnership, we actually have a partnership section with offers that are only available to Stayfire customers. So we have four or five website building companies, you know, Boostly, yeah. to um, uh, Beyond's product, Signal, right? So we've got yeah. a few different ones there. And yeah. then we have uh, guidebook partnerships because when you log into the captive portal, you can redirect guests to a guidebook or you can text even with our tool, text message them a link to a digital guidebook. So we have partnerships with Touchday and Hostfully and Folio. Um, so we have, I'd say, all the other pieces of building a great book direct business, we have those partners in place so we can refer you to, you know, whatever it is that you're looking for in terms of enhancing that strategy. Great. That's, That's great. excellent. Yeah. One, one thing that I've always kind of looked at for the marketing for the companies I'm with, and also even just for Annie and I on this podcast is really taking like a hub and spoke approach to how you develop content and starting that with, okay, if for us, I mean, the, the hub is definitely the podcast, it's the audio, the videos off of that, but how you can repurpose that content. And that's, that's, you know, a great way to look at email marketing that you might have, um, whether it's a video that you've done for a property or um, a blog a blog article or different content, how can you repurpose that in multiple ways to get the most benefit from it? And when you put that type of content within your email marketing campaigns, that builds loyalty for guests to want to go back and continue to open them when they get those emails from you. So I think just 
I don't want to see our industry go to people trying to jump on this so quickly, like they jump on Airbnb and everything else. And then all of a sudden now we're just inundating guests with a bunch of offers and spam and not paying attention to the rules and everything else, can spam and all those things. Um, but, you know, just really kind of taking a higher level approach to looking at what it is that you're producing, where it makes sense to distribute it out. And email marketing is a big part of that, but um uh, what, what do you do uh, for on the like the can spam type things? I mean, to make sure that you're following the rules. How does that work for guests? Yes. And yep, yeah. So we obviously, when you set up Stateify, which we can also talk more about, kind of the nuts and bolts of how that process works, which people are probably curious. Yeah. You create what we call splash pages. So okay. you can think of it as when you join the Wi-Fi network, this is the page that will automatically load on the guest device where they enter their information. And you can select different fields that you want to collect. We always click name and email. And then we have a variety of ways to do the opt-in, like you mentioned, uh, to opt-in for email marketing. Uh, so you can have that in the U.S. We have a little more flexibility than in Europe or Canada. So in the U.S., we allow people to pre-check that box. Uh, so guests are have to opt out before they hit the connect button. So there's different ways to also then customize that text. So you can have guests agree to additional terms of using the Wi-Fi when they log in. And then we have just kind of standard terms every guest has to agree to. Uh, things like don't do illegal things on the internet, you know, don't download, <laughs> you know, nefarious things. So yeah. uh, there's all sorts of additional protections that guests are agreeing to when they log into the internet. Um, and then we also have a tool called Zero Bounce that we partner with that validates emails are real. Because you might be wondering, like, people just enter in garbage. Right, um, yeah, if somebody enters yeah. in, like, you know, one, two, three at gmail.com, it will actually reject the email. So, like, you have to enter a valid email to proceed okay. if you want to have that. So that's also an optional thing you can toggle on or off. And that way, every email we collect um, will be opt-in, uh, you know, or email marketing, if you know if the guest selects that, and also will be a real email that doesn't bounce, mm -hmm. which is super important because if you have a tool that's collecting emails and you have five percent even that are fake, uh, when you start using a tool like Campaign Monitor or Mailchimp, they will see that you have a lot of soft bounces. Yeah, what they right. usually you call bounces, and they'll say yeah. like, "We're shutting your account down," or you get uh, you know marked as non-compliant, or you're getting a lot of unsubscribes. And so yeah. we put all those protections in place so our customers don't have to worry about those issues and we kind of handle it all for them. Is there a way to tie back the guest who gave you their email address to the unit that they're staying in also or the property? Yeah. So we, when you, so I'll kind of give two steps to this answer. Okay. One is we're in the process of integrating with all the major PMS systems, which then not only are we tying them to a property, we can tie them to a reservation and the properties will be synced from your PMS so that the names will match and each one will be tied. And if you change the name and your PMS will change in our system. And so we'll all work together magically and wonderfully. Um, otherwise, in theory, right? <laughs> yes. yeah. all, all, if you're not an integrated PMS right now, um, every access point, so these are the Wi-Fi devices we sell, is tied to a property. And then every guest that logs into that access point is tied to that property. So, okay. And then when you send the data to MailChimp, our own tool, you can include a property field so you can segment your campaigns by properties. And we also have something called property group, which is more like a market or a mm -hmm. building. 
So you can have your Scottsdale guests here and then your Flagstaff guests, you know, in this group. So you would not yeah. only know the property, you would know the area. So you can okay. segment on area. Because typically yeah. people are not going to segment on a property level unless if they're very high end or they have like super specific campaigns for those homes. Um, yeah, so there's kind of different ways that we handle that uh, just depending on what somebody wants to do. And then you can also have unique splash pages for each property or one for a group or one for all. So, you know, we have a customer in the Poconos and he has a unique splash page for every property because he wants to have that extra customization that when the guest gets there, they get a picture of their home and it welcomes them mm -hmm. to that property. So all those options in terms of how uh, custom down to the home do you want to be or do you just want something more generic? You can you know, run it either way. Yeah. So, so let's go back. You did bring up the we, and that was actually a question I was going to ask. So I come to you, I'm interested in the product. How does the process work? You, you have to put a router in the room. Like you, you have to maintain a lot of routers and all this equipment, correct? Or do you have source it from somebody and it gets delivered like, you know, from a warehouse? How does that all work? Yeah. I'd say there's one technical difference that's an important one that I think some people get lost is we sell something called an access point, which is not a router. And I'll tell you why that's important in a second. Oh, okay. Um, because when we install an access point in a property, um, uh, it broadcasts a new Wi-Fi network that guests join, but we don't disturb the homeowner's internet. So you can think of it as the original router stays there. It's broadcasting home one, two, three. And if TVs, door lock systems, cameras, thermostats are on the original Wi-Fi, they can just stay there. And then when you plug our device in, it will broadcast a guest network. That guest network is the same in every property. So you move to having one set of instructions for all homes, which could be brand guest network. So you tell all guests, join brand guest network to get the splash page, they'll log oh, in. Wow. Homeowner yeah, stuff cool. stays the way it is. And if you can imagine from an installation standpoint, if you had to replace the router, then you have to go and take every connected device and re-put it back on the internet, which is actually a huge nightmare. So yeah. we want yeah. to make it literally you plug it in, change the guest instructions, and you can leave. And you don't have to worry about, you know, how the rest of the stuff is connected. And you don't even have to tell homeowners if you don't want to because they can continue to use the network they've always used. Um, and no one will ever call you like, how do you, what's the password? Because that's also, also optional. I say the access points we sell are from a company called Ubiquity, Unify Access Points. And what's also cool is in our system, you can manage all these devices remotely. So you can see the status of all your access points. You get alerted if they go offline. You get alerted also if there's too many guests in the property. So we have occupancy alerting. That's even tied to the uh, maximum occupancy in your PMS. So based on the reservation, if it's one of our integrated PMSs, if this reservation for four and we see there's eight people there that are unique, we will alert you. Um, and also if they go offline. So you can see the status of all your devices, the speed of them, who's on the Wi-Fi. So you have this real-time view of your internet performance across all your properties in your portfolio. Um, so we really also help a lot in this Wi-Fi management space, which is not what we emphasize we talk more about book direct but i think that's another key piece that yeah. makes people's lives a lot easier when it comes to managing all these different internet networks across all the different properties um so you purchase these devices from us they range between like 100 and 200 dollars we have a little guide of which device to purchase based on the home size so we have some different models and then for really really big homes our devices also mesh 
So you may need two devices in like an eight bedroom home where one plugs into the router, one plugs into power and they form a mesh. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the general process is you create yeah. an account, decide how many devices you want to buy, um, purchase them from us, create your splash pages, plug them in, change the guest instructions and you're good to go and you'll start collecting data. Uh, so we want to make the onboarding process as simple as possible because we know property managers are busy. It should only take five minutes in each home. Like we don't want a product where you're going to have to spend two hours in the property to make it happen because then we know uh, there's going to be a lot more resistance from people's staff in terms of rolling it out because they're all uh, super busy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I mean just having the Wi-Fi or the Wi-Fi instructions be the same for all the properties. That's huge because that's the number one question that we get calls on. Exactly. You've got to go into the PMS to see what the instructions are for that unit. Um, I mean, it does. It sounds like it's a no-brainer to have that have something that's across the board. But so they have to have the router, though, right? Something like that. I know they don't take it out, but that that stays. So if a new homeowner comes onto the program, they have that owner sign up with the regular cable service. And then the the company, I would imagine in most cases, is paying this. They're not pushing that expense off to the homeowner, right? Because this doesn't... I'd say it's a mixture. Some people pass the hardware costs to homeowners because they there's a lot of benefits for homeowners as well. Main ones being most frequent pattern is people rebook the same property. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so even though you're marketing 100 units, if someone loved unit A, they're going to email you back and be like, I want to stay in unit A next year or next month right. or whatever it happens to be. Right. And like frequency there. Also, there's some like security advantages to not having all of the guests be on the same router that the homeowner uses and those right. networks. Uh, you also can't put weird things in the home because uh, some the device has to be able to use a captive portal to get online. Um, unless you like override that. So you mm-hmm. can't place like sketchy things in the house that like cameras and things that can't get through the cap portal. And then the occupancy alerting also protects the home from like 20 people staying there when there only should be six. So there are a lot of benefits to the homeowners and we see people passing at least that hardware costs, maybe over some periods of months, we see people do that. Um, software costs that we charge between four and $7 depending on number of properties they have with us that we see usually managers pick up just because they're collecting so much valuable marketing data for themselves through using the tool. So sometimes it's split, sometimes they take it all on. Um, And then the other thing that's nice is in this space, when people have professionally installed internet, whether it's in a home or like a small multifamily unit, it's typically ubiquity unified hardware. So I was surprised how often we actually get management companies that already have compatible equipment. And then it's actually really easy to connect to our service. So we just had one that we met in uh, Verma that came over to the table and was like, wait, we have these in all of our properties. Like they recognize the gear on our table. And I said, fantastic. Like we can set you up next week. Uh, wow. And they were in a yeah. ski town where when you have higher end properties, it's much more likely they've had a professionally installed system. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, the guy I mentioned in the Poconos, he had ubiquity in all 50 properties. So I'd say in this segment, uh, we have that good alignment where when people do a professional internet, it's typically uh, the same brand that we work with. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot so, of sense. The, the, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Annie. No, no, no. I was actually, I was actually on the kind of sort of alluded to it, like, managers that don't have wi-fi i mean it's still i'm i'm amazed at the numbers that are still out there of people that haven't put wi-fi in their units when that just seems like it's 
Are there like, really? It's just a lot of it, yeah, and really, truly, like when you're in condo buildings, it's a lot easier because usually it's mandated by the yeah. HOA or they've already installed it or the, the buildings were built that way. But it's usually when you have like individual homes who like maybe it's an older couple, they've owned it yeah. forever, they've never thought about it. But you do, you do periodically, and I don't know, Arthur, if you encounter that, but if you do, do you have like an agreement with um, a provider, like a Wi-Fi provider that if somebody wanted to like so get AT&T or whatever, that you could help get them that service set up? So we do have a like a relationship with Spectrum, but it's only for bulk buying, which would be like more than 50 properties. I want to gotcha. take over purchasing the internet service on like a multi-year contract and then resell it to our homeowners. But say it's typically mm-hmm. on like super, you know, you want to take all that responsibility on, which also has some risks because those contracts don't have super flexibility. I say typically what we do is uh, when you come across people that are struggling with getting, I'd say in a major market, everybody has internet service. It's more like yeah. rural areas or they have some really old, terrible cell connection or old satellite provider. You know, that's when we tell, refer people to like, you need to go get Starlink, which is a great option, uh, or some new local ISPs. Um, so that's kind of where we just push people in general. Um, but we're definitely not in the, uh, you know, I'm sure you've talked with Silicon Travel. I mean, they're more in the internet service yeah, business. Yeah. Um, and that's where I'd say we're super different is that mm-hmm. we're just uh, leveraging whatever the underlying services. And of course we can recommend things or push people in the right direction. Um, but that's just not like the game that we're so much focused in right now. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not your lane. I get that. I just was curious because mm-hmm. I, like I said, I'm, I'm often shocked. It's kind of like the conversation that Alex and I've had with people about the, the gr- groups that still don't provide linens, you know, and, and a lot of it is, yeah. you know, we talked to some people that are in um, like Chinkatink, like um, Elaine and Lance, like part of it is just like laundry services on the island. It's very difficult. So they aren't mm-hmm. able to provide certain services that, you know, others could provide, but there, there are those outliers that are out there. And, and I think that just speaks to um, the professionalization of the industry. And so what you're doing is just another aspect of what is, you know, what is deemed professional in terms of the guest services and and the offerings that people have in their units. Yeah, yeah I'd say, you know, I'd say the, the typical manager or property operator that's reaching out to Stafi, I'd say is, you know, they're a little more still tech forward. You know, I mm-hmm. still say like in the yeah. adoption curve, you know, 99% of properties don't have a service like ours, right? Let's say, you know, in terms of people who are coming to Stafi, they're still, I'd say, in a little more of an early adopter mindset or tech forward. And of course, we're having more success, I'd say, with more legacy companies now. Um, but I still say super early period of adopting this type of technology in homes. So mm-hmm. that's typically who we're attracting right now. Hmm. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the main thing that property managers need to be thinking about is how do we bring on all this new tech affordably? Because... If you're a company that is, you know, considering bringing on um, keyless locks or, you know, like a noise aware or other products like that, that those are going to be also, um, you know, up there around per unit price, similar to what what you're charging, you can't do everything, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's that's the challenge. Is like, how do you 
how do you decide which one is most important? And especially going into 2023, which we know we are going to be in a, or we're already in a recession to some extent, and probably for at least the next nine months, you know, you're going to still see um, those economic indicators pointing that direction. So how do we go into a new year and make those decisions on what software or what new services we bring on? And I, I, you don't have to have an answer for that, but that's that's just my question for a lot of companies because our, our margins aren't getting any bigger, <laughs> but the technology that we all have to support, the needs are definitely getting bigger. So it's like, to me, I feel like revenue management is super important at this point for people to really be looking at how they can make the bookings that they're already getting more profitable to help pay for some of these expenditures um, and, you know, building a book direct strategy. So that's that's the good part of where you where you come in here. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say for our customers that have been collecting data for a year or two years and they have 40, 50,000 guests in their database and they're getting consistent bookings from them, right? We've definitely set them up to be in a good position to where they, you know, if an OTA changes their algorithm and they see bookings go down, it doesn't tank everything, right? So, you know, it's like building, I'd say we're a key part of building a more resilient short-term rental business. And I'd say from an operational standpoint, we will make your life easier and not harder. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's a lot of guest engagement solutions out there. I'd say the critique that I hear often is it's a big time suck for our staff to maintain and the ROI is not clear. Our kind of viewpoint is of things that you can install or add to your tech stack will be the simplest one. And I, you know, definitely have gotten that feedback again and again. And I hear that from all of our customers. So I'd say from a complexity standpoint, we're going to be one of the easiest things to do. And then from an ROI standpoint and making your business more resilient, we're at the high end because I think the data from all your guests is one of the most valuable assets we see our customers collect. And then many of our customers are engaged in ancillary businesses that to just you know property management, especially those who do real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, property guest data is one of the biggest leads when it comes yeah. to home sales because yeah. people who visit often are the types of people who then convert to be owners right. and want their properties managed. Um, so if you take that viewpoint of, you know, how do I build a more resilient business? I think StayFi plays a key part in a lot of our customer strategy. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I want to know a little bit more, Arthur, too, about you. So we've, we've talked about the product. I'm sold. It's <laughs> I think it's definitely mm-hmm. worthwhile for anybody who's on the fence about it. But tell us a little bit more about your journey to that. What got you here? I mean, you're leading this company now. And and what was what was your entrepreneurial? I, I know how you got there, but like how how have you built the business from a leadership standpoint? Yeah, I say from my experience prior to Stay Fi, I worked. Um, for some VC-backed startups. Uh, I ran marketing at a healthcare startup that raised venture money. And I say that really colored my viewpoint on how to start a business of my own and how I wanted to grow it and going down the bootstrap non-VC path. Yeah. I think, you know, from a philosophical standpoint, from leading this company, VC investment takes is very risky. And I think it pushes people to launch products that don't really have product market fit or are not ready yeah. to scale. Mm-hmm. I battle tested StayFi as a solo founder, as the only employee. Like I grew the company to, I think, uh, 2,000 listings as the only employee of StayFi. And I think okay. people contacted us and thought we had like a team of 10 people or 20 <laughs> people or something like that. Uh, yeah. There's no outside funding, right? So, you know, I want the company to be as lean and operationally efficient as possible. And, you know, when it comes to building our team, we're now a team of seven. 
know, everyone is very excited to wear multiple hats, get in the trenches with our customers and make sure we're building the best possible experience for them. I think just from like how we communicate with our customers, how we grow our business, you know, everything has a purpose or a reason why we're doing it. Because when you have been building, when resources are so constrained, um, you have to be really, you know, efficient with all your decision-making and make sure everything you're doing is creating value. So we're super customer focused, super bent on creating value for our customers and making sure everyone, whether they have one listing or a thousand, is having a great experience with our tool. And that's how we keep building our business through that word of mouth as managers talk to each other. That's really that's really impressive. And so I think you you mentioned um, to us offline, you went to Columbia. Um, what was your what was your degree in? Was it in marketing or was it in something else? Yeah, so actually, so I got my undergrad degree in economics and okay. um, uh, East Asian studies. So I speak uh-huh. mediocre Mandarin, lived in China for wow. a while. Wow, then I yeah. worked for a management consulting company called Accenture, which was interesting experience. One of my clients hired me. And then after that, I went to Columbia for business school, got my MBA, which is where I met the Frank Glazer, who is uh, a team of two brothers that operate Heirloom which was the first property management company that I worked with doing okay. consulting, uh, which is how I discovered this very awesome mm-hmm. industry, which I love mm-hmm. so much. Um, so definitely kind of a random series of events that got me to this point. Um, but I really think working at these feedback businesses that were struggling to find a product market fit and were trying to grow really fast when they didn't really have all the right pieces in place mm-hmm. really taught me a lot about how I wanted to build this business and take a path where we're, you know, making the right decisions for our customers and not being pressured by investors to make decisions that maybe aren't in the best interest of our customers in the more short-term thinking, right? So we can have a little bit of a longer view of how we want to grow the business and build out the product. Yeah, yeah. Totally, totally agree. And yeah, I applaud you for that. <laughs> and I'm sure you've seen there's been a lot of VC-backed businesses in this space that have exploded yeah. and flamed out yeah. and you never see them again, right? Because yeah. when you take money from VCs, you're saying, I'm going to build a billion dollar business and go public. Yeah. And that's not realistic for 99% of businesses, right? Right. And yeah. I don't, and I'm not, and I don't have the ego where I think that that's going to be me because that's so, I mean, that's like impossible, right? It's yeah. Like, yeah. You know, unicorns, there's only so many, right? And, uh, you know, I just wanted to take a more conservative path where we're just focused on building the right things for our customers. Yeah. So kind of side note to that, but uh, we just found out today in Vacasa's uh, earnings report, uh, just just really seeing a, bl- a bleak picture for where they're going and, and the layoffs that we all heard about when we were at VRMA and then Avant Stay just laying off a lot of employees too. Um, what do you think the impact of that is going to be on the industry? I know a lot of people are they, they want to see, I'd say some people want to see Vacasa fail. Some people want to see them succeed. I think Annie and I want to see them we want to see them succeed. I don't think that it's good for the industry, for any of us, if they really epically fail. But mm-hmm. what, what do you think is going to happen and what will the effects be in your in your yeah. personal body? I would say <laughs> I, I don't have as much insight into Avanste's business model. I've kind of heard that they operate in a non-traditional way when it comes to how they acquire homes and how the payouts work with homeowners. Like, I don't totally understand it. So I can't like comment really on their business. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I want all short-term rentals to succeed, you know, when it comes to, you know, we're a big believer in promoting Book Direct because we want to educate consumers about why booking with property managers is great and doesn't really matter which one, right? We just want to promote that overall. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I think there's something to be said about, you know, there's been many attempts to build national uh, brands like Resort Quests, which I remember reading early on, like Amy Highnotes case study on them. Yeah. yeah and how yeah. they tried to build a massive brand by acquiring people in the early internet age and it completely imploded. Um, I think it's just hard because if you're in the if your business is built on homeowner relationships, that's just hard to scale. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people have that perspective in the industry and I'm definitely one of them. I doesn't say that's not possible or that technology can't offer a solution where you're building a more efficient operating model where you can acquire homeowners and build them a service. I just think to build a national brand, you may need to have a different type of inventory that's not individually owned, some other type of relationship. Um, where you're not seeing like homeowner turn, things like that. So I'll just be curious to see if, you know, how these businesses try to evolve over time to mm -hmm. kind of meet these different challenges. Um, but I'm definitely from, a, you know, what I think is the best model or what I see our customers who are most successful, they're operating those great local brands where they have, you know, real relationships with their inventory, uh, which is right. most of our customers operate that way. Yeah, 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 I agree with you 100%. And quite frankly, that is part of what drew me to my role that I just started with Casago, actually, because I mean, their model is franchise that allows local operators to stay uh, fully ownership of their companies, but have access to tools that let them compete at a national level, um, but still still have that local flair and, and be able to love on their homeowners and their guests in a different way that if you don't own the company, you're not necessarily going to look at things that way. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty bullish on franchises just because if you think about it, you know, we need to do, you know, educate and help these business owners use a host of different technology solutions, some of which, which maybe we have buying power if we're a franchiser and we yeah. can, you know, purchase something off the shelf or we can develop it ourselves and equip our, uh, different business owners with, and then. Um, if we're able to also leverage that brand to attract guests and yeah. homeowners as well, that's another great piece of value there, but you don't lose that local touch either. So I'm bullish on franchises. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of franchises probably improve how they operate a lot based on the ones I've talked to. Um, yeah. But I think there's just a lot of upside potential in that particular area. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. hot topic for sure. We've had that conversation actually for a couple of years, interestingly enough with Simon Lehman and, um, it, it was something he and I started talking about probably three years ago. And then, you know, just funny enough, it was something that Alex had looked at in a previous, you know, like what, how do they explore that model? And so I think that, you know, to your point, there's the economies of scale that it, margins are tough and people can't adopt the technology because it is so expensive to make a, a monumental shift to a large, you know, PMS provider or something like that. But going into a franchise, you can access all of this, all of these tools. And so for you um, with StayFi, where do you see StayFi in, you know, five years? Like you, you mentioned, like the adoption not being as as high. Like, what is what is your percentage? First of all, your percentage of you think adoption of the overall, say, U.S. market, and what do you think is realistic for you to get to? And then, I would assume that you would want to expand globally on this, would you not? Yeah, I mean, so we we work anywhere in the world. Um, so we actually have customers outside the U.S., although they're a pretty small percentage of our overall sure. portfolio. I'd say for us, we're laser focused on additional guest engagement solutions, some of which already don't require the Wi-Fi piece. So for instance, mm -hmm. when you use an integrated PMS so, you know, connection, you can integrate with your PMS 
just pull in guest data you have there into our marketing tools and just use email and text marketing within Stayfy for the data you already have. And you don't have to add Wi-Fi to collect more. So it's going to look more, I think, as we evolve into being a guest engagement and marketing platform where Wi-Fi is just one input of data, whether it could be your website, your PMS, or another source that we you know, develop in the future. So when you talk about hub and spoke, I really see Stayfy as being a marketing guest hub. And then spokes will be things like Wi-Fi, PMS connection, website connection. So we're drawing in all that data. When it comes to penetration, I think it's hard. There's like so many different estimates of like how big is this market and right. how much inventory is professionally managed versus owner operated and everything like that, right? You know, but we're still, you know, state fire right now, just give you a scale. Like we have just over 10,000 listings and like 800 property managers. So we're still a very small right. company, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the industry is growing faster than we are adding properties, I'm sure, to our portfolio, right? So there's plenty of green space to keep growing. Um, and as we mature, I think we see, you know, our ability to sell to people with 100, 200, 300, 500 properties has just been going up over time. Um, and then, you know, other areas I think are interesting is we recently had a part, launched a partnership with Lynx, which is a, you know, we talked about home automation. You know, how can we bundle our service in with all the other in-home tech people want to purchase? Yep. So what's great about that is now someone who uses Lynx already or is working with Lynx to get launched with Thorlocks or one of their other solutions, they can now just buy StayFi as part of that package um, and it all gets delivered together. So you just plug in StayFi, plug in the hub, and then, you know, install Thorlock and you're good to go. Uh, so I see, you know, more ways for StayFi to be included in other in-home tech investments you're making. Because if you're going to go into the property and install things, uh, let's just have you do that one time, right? And not yeah, go keep yeah. going back to install different products right. that aren't working yeah. or communicating yeah. well together. And and bundle it, you know, to my point earlier, exactly. about it's, it's hard to choose which one comes first. But yeah, that, that definitely makes uh, a, a lot of sense. And, you know, I mean, looking at how many property managers there are in the U.S. I just had to check my notebook, but from my very first Burma meeting at, at a or board of directors meeting um, a couple of weeks ago, found out there's 23,000 property managers in the United States. Um, and Burma has 900 of those as members. <laughs> so yes. um, yeah. between a lot of room all, to grow. all that's out there, there's, there's still a lot of property managers out there. There's a lot of inventory out there. People that don't go to these events like we all do and don't aren't you know present for these conversations. So I think there's still a huge runway for growth for companies like Stayfi and uh, Costco and Homes and Villas, where Marriott, where Annie works now too. All of our businesses yeah, right. have a lot of lot of potential yeah. for growth. So it's exciting yeah, time. It's gonna be <laughs> yeah. exciting 2023. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's the really great thing about it is is um we we talked about what COVID the bad, the bad side of it, but the good side of it was it made, you know, to Alex's earlier point, us a lot more collaborative, a lot more open to discussing the needs, the wants and the wishes of the industry and really kind of um, figuring out what is the best solution. And so what you've come up with is a really great, again, I hate to use the term no brainer, but it's like, you know, how could somebody not think of this before? So you, you were at the right place at the right time to come up with it. And Alex and I, that's one of the things that we really try to talk about on the podcast is like, yeah. you know, what was that thing that, that gave you that spark to do it? But it sounds like 
just everything that you did prepared you for where you are now. I mean, getting yeah. an economics degree. So you understand the, the economics of all of the business that you're doing, working with VC funding. So you understood like what you didn't want to do, what you didn't want to do. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that all of these little pieces, they were, they were the seeds that you planted along the way that have helped you grow this business. And it's really, really incredible to watch you and your team at work. And you're so passionate about it. And, and you're such a great advocate for the industry. And I, I love your energy and, and what you bring to the table every time you you talk about your business and and you're you are a very collaborative individual and I think your your business is just going to continue to grow and we can't wait to see where it goes from here. Yeah, super excited. I think um, areas that I definitely want to get more involved in are things like rent responsibly, kind of more of these broader initiatives to keep yeah. Yeah. you know the space as an industry healthy and vibrant because you know like you said before in terms of collaboration around regulation, um, you know, viewing us as, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Um, And I think, you know, there's so much more areas where we can, you know, keep building that momentum. And obviously, Mm Verma is a big part of it, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Arthur, this was such a pleasure to have you on today and to learn more about not only your journey, but also everything that SafeEye offers. So very, very exciting. And we just wish you the best of luck in 2023 and beyond. Uh, if anybody- and you guys as to- well. Oh, thank, thank you. You, <laughs> yeah. if any- you guys have any- so many excited things going on too. So. Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> we it, all do. We all do. Yeah, yeah it's right. a good time to be in the industry for sure. But uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the easiest way for them to reach you? Yeah, they can email me at arthur at stayfi.com, uh, you know, with questions if they're interested in getting a demo, if they want to learn more about Stayfi, yeah. starting right. a business, anything, happy to, you know, get in touch with them. So feel free to reach out. Awesome. Yeah. And thank you for your support of, of the podcast. Uh, Stayfi is a member of Alex and Nanny's list, our preferred list of, uh, we think, the best partners in the industry and vendors that are doing great things. So we'll be reaching out next year for more opportunities and things that we're going to be able to do together to collaborate. So looking forward to it. If anybody wants to contact Annie and I can go to alexandannypodcast.com. And until next time, thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Arthur. 